from orchestraexcerpts.com. This is the Purse Service Podcast, a show about growing musically and personally and discovering what really matters from one service to the next. Hello there and welcome back. On our show today, we're thinking through one of the dilemmas that modern musicians face. Should I go all in and try to become the top one or two percent of musicians in my field? Or should I diversify my skills and be more marketable and have multiple income streams? Is it all or nothing? Are you planning for failure by having a backup plan? Or does having multiple passions make you a jack of all trades and master of none? Well, this is where we're heading. And as usual, you never know where things will go. And if you're new to our show, uh, your hosts are Anna Luce. She's the concert master of this little show called Hamilton. And she's now on tour, and there's no telling where in the world she is at this current moment. Christian Marshall, he's a violist in Graz, Austria, who not only thinks about the world in beautiful and intriguing ways, he also writes about it in English and in German. Jessica Wiersma, a violinist in Indianapolis, who's just one of the warmest and socially charming people you'll ever meet. And me, I'm Michael Giblin. I'm a violinist in Boca Raton, Florida, and I like to make weird things on the internet. But most of all, I love getting to talk with my three co-hosts. One last thing is that we would like to thank Fix Music Publishing for providing the hosting for the show. For your sheet music needs, go check out fixmusic.com. If you're anything like me, when you decide that you want to start learning a piece, you want to get it fast. But you don't want some crummy IMSLP edition that you have to tape together. No, you want the good stuff on big, creamy pages with a staple in it that smells like dedication to preserving history and your grandma all in one. Well, if you're like that, go visit fixmusic.com. It's beautiful, fast, and free shipping on orders over $30. And you... Yes, you with the earbuds. You can get 10% off your order by using the promo code PERSERVICE at checkout. Even if you don't want the 10% off, just enter it in anyways so they know that their patronage is worth it. So go visit fixmusic.com. That's F-I-C-K-S music.com. Okay, here is the show. All right. Um, the guy who orchestrated Hamilton is also involved in that. Now let's talk more. It's a small world, you know? It really is. That's a good uh, segue or introduction to our topic, because I think what I'm interested in uh, talking about today is sort of these other areas of our life that we do either for fun or for income that aren't just performing. And I think it's interesting because... At least when I was in school, you know, we all probably had this very singular focus of like, you got to practice for an orchestra job or for like the big gig. And then actually, as it was, as I was getting close to graduating, a lot of people started talking about sort of diversifying your interests and having multiple skills and having these multiple income streams. And it was hard for me to reckon these two ideas and, and be like, is that sort of giving up if I have an interest in recording or if I have an interest in arranging or composing? Like, should I be pursuing performing and these other things? Or should I like, okay, just forget it and just practice. And every free moment I have, I should just be practicing. Uh, That's why I'm interested in hearing from you guys. Like what, if you guys have gone down one path or the other and what it's looked like for you and what you have sort of filled your time with doing other things than just performing or preparing for auditions or all this stuff. So who's interested? You know, I was think I, yeah, I'm interested. I also was thinking I had a realization while you were saying that about something I did not remember from my past, which is that I tried to be a food blogger for like four years. I totally forgot. Oh my God. I, too, I did too. Keep it loose. Wasn't it, or fast and loose. No, that, that was, yeah, that wasn't no, the best no, name. No, no, but no. Fast and- <laughs> Although that's also no. food related, like I really like wanted to loose. like if I would if I would go back in time, fast and loose. I was thinking maybe like if I went back in time, it would be a muse loose, kind of uh, like a muse. Too many good, uh, 
too many good puns with, with really uh, with a name should like. probably just stop trying to find names you're, you're gonna get so much traffic on that <laughs> blog oh, crap. now please do not read it don't read it it became more of like a lifestyle airing grievances blog with food <laughs> uh it went downhill after i got sick and my diet wasn't interesting you were also on like a good morning america or something or some the chew the chew you on some the chew the chew the chew yeah a, a chew um <laughs> Yeah, You're no, but I got deal. into I got into food blogging, flu, food blogging in Austin because there's a huge foodie scene there, and it was super interesting. And that's like where I really dove into that passion and used. Half, I would say I spent more time creating food than practicing for a couple of years. All right, yeah, All I right. seriously considered doing both, but then I was just like, eh. Getting sick changed all of that, but that's okay. I still like food is still a very big part of my life. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Did but you ever make money, money from from the blog or from did it? Yeah. Did, did you start this with like a, a financial like a compliment like complimenting your other gigs or was it just like uh-huh. hey this is just something I want to do for fun and see what happens? I got into it initially thinking it would be really awesome if I could be like one of those people that just like sold pies out of their house. You know, um, <laughs> I was just like this would be a great you know people <laughs> people spend a lot of money on pie that they don't make. I'm telling you, you can pay like $18 for a pie and it, t- yeah. it costs like $1.88 to make or I mean, depends on, you know, um, yeah. but, you know, food licensing and what have you. I did actually get paid maybe like 43 cents a month from this one mm-hmm. sponsorship I had. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I, little bit helps. I did. I did actually earn some dollars and like won some awards, which led to some financial benefit here and there. I didn't like mm-hmm. pursue it heavily enough to, but that, but that was, that was a goal. And, and, you know, on the outset, I was like, I bet I could do some, do this on the side and make some extra cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't really lead to that because I just like, wasn't gung ho enough, but I can't believe that I totally forgot about that until just now. That's very funny. <laughs> That's awesome. You, you're some, you're a very good cook too. I have well, I experienced some of that. It's very good. What about you, Jess, I think uh, something I'm curious is you do a lot of teaching, right? Um, and that's something that I've done a little bit, but always kind of it always kind of fell out, or I moved, or something. But you've kind of you've stuck with doing teaching. Well, okay, teaching, well this, right? I mean, when you say stuck with it, I mean I'm I've now been teaching for a year and a half. So I mean, <laughs> feels like it's been yes, longer. I know she feels like it's been longer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely interesting. I didn't I didn't mean to peg you as like oh that's the only other thing you do do you have i don't do anything actually so (laughs) i mean uh, right now i you know and there's there are seasons right like or at least for me so i teach privately but i don't teach out of my own home i teach at a school um and they needed help doing like some admin stuff and also out of college my first year out of college Mm -hmm. i worked as my basic full-time job was um an admin thing Mm -hmm. at a music school um for about a year. So I've done that. There are certain things I find very enjoyable about that because like you have tasks mm-hmm. and you complete them and they are done. And there's something, and I just feel like that's so, that's not something that I feel mm-hmm. about the violin. Like very rare. Like even when you have a performance you're getting ready for or an audition, yeah, you know, and you, and you do the performance or you take the audition. It's not like my work is done yeah. on that rep. So there's something to a degree I find very satisfying about neat. I can check off these things and I don't have to do them again. Or maybe even if I have to do them again next month, it's still like a checklist of like how you manage the finances or something that you go through and then, and then it's done. That is something I I have in the past found like very cathartic. <laughs> that's, I find that's really gratifying sometime to be like, all right, Close it. I'm done. Yeah. There's something about that. That's very cathartic. Or, um, Mm -hmm. one thing I was tasked with was, um, getting the tuition from people who hadn't paid tuition in a really long time. (laughs) And (laughs) like, there is also, I don't know. I was just like, there's something about my personality that I can like very much separate being a teacher (laughs) from, the the business side of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of people have a hard time doing that. Oh, we're teaching and we're giving back to the kid, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's great. But like, are you, Yeah. uh, you know, you're still trying to run a business and if you're running a business, certain things have to be done and like, there have to be consequences for not 
paying your bills, just as if you know, you don't pay your electricity, it gets shut off. Okay. And they've had a lot of warnings. I would make people like, you can't teach this person until they pay. And I was not very popular doing that. But guess what? We got all of our money in then. I thought you were going to say something about my personality that makes me a great money collector. <laughs> That's like where I Better thought. have my money with that. No, I guess my thing is... Jess like that to, kind know, of stuff. Shake just, them up. Turn them upside down and well, shake them. it just seems very <laughs> yeah. black and white to me. Where it's like, this is when it's yeah. due. You didn't pay it. And it's four months later. And you've been doing this for free. And your teacher... like. We were paying people for lessons that were not had not been paid for, if that makes sense. Anyway, it was not a good business model, in my humble opinion, because I obviously went to business school. <laughs> I did not. Um, but that just seems like common sense to me. So, anyway, this is not very interesting. No, it um, is. It is. It was- there's nothing interesting about anything I just said. I feel like I'm Jim Halpert, where I just like bore myself talking about my own job. <laughs> no. Um, it is interesting. Also, admin skills are extremely valuable, especially for musicians. Mm-hmm. So All good stuff. It is interesting. Well, it's interesting because there are some organizations that that they have a lot of p- musicians or people who maybe they never went into the professional world as a musician, but they might have uh, majored in performance or music education or something. And then they went into these roles in organizations that they really weren't equipped for. And some of them still aren't. And I do think that is to a degree why we occasionally see organizations fail. It's because they have people in these roles that they don't have the right skill set. You can have the skill set, even if you didn't go to school for it. I think musicians are just different. Our minds just usually work differently. And a lot of people are probably gonna get really angry about this, but I think like the majority of musicians are not necessarily business minded I'm laughing at myself. I would hope that all of us can confidently agree with that. I think we severely lack Mm -hmm. business skills and that hurts us often. Like you're saying with like having people pay up for lessons, it's like, this is your income. If you went to your job and they didn't pay you for four months, you'd be really mad. And I know a lot of people who have issued, have had issues with that when they teach privately out of their own home and they'll be like, Oh, they keep forgetting their check and it's been like a month. And I don't know. So you're giving your time away for free. And I don't have time for that because I'm rude and I'm not generous. And so it's just, I don't know. I won't do that. If you're donating your time, that's totally different. Like I have one job that I commit a lot of time to that I donate my time. That's different. I know what I've signed up for. If you want to donate music lessons to underprivileged children, fantastic. By all means, totally agree. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. But Mm -hmm. I also think that like then you have to have an organization that is set up to handle that. I mean, one of my favorite books is You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero, which I learned about through our Jessica Wiersma, uh, who I will, to whom I am eternally grateful. Um, great book. And she talks about, I don't know if it's in that one or you are the book number two, You Are a Badass at Making Money, where she says, first you have to know what you're worth and believe it. Because if you believe you are worth $60 an hour, you put out that energy and you will attract clients or students who are willing to pay $60 an hour. You know, she says, if you don't trust that you're worth it, you'll you'll let yourself be talked into $20 for an hour. You know, you'll sell uh-huh. yourself short because you don't really know and believe what you're worth. Mm-hmm. And I think that also really helps musicians be comfortable with um, demanding the money or demanding the payment or being okay with charging a higher amount for lessons. Cause you know, look at what we studied, look at what we're passing along. You know, I think it's, you should maybe have a problem charging that much, much if you're cheating somebody out of something, or if you are just trying to do a get rich quick scheme or something like that, rip somebody off. If you're not being fair about it, okay, then maybe the ill feelings are just or, you know, justified or whatever. But I think there's, there's some truth in that. You know, you, you have to, Ask yourself what you're worth, know it, believe it, and put that energy out there. And I really think people will act accordingly. Nice. Yeah, so one thing that I have been thinking about for a long time is um, the longer I'm in this world, and by this world, I I mean the music world. (laughs) Not like, that sounded very Very globally strange. 
the longer I'm in this world with all of the wisdom I've acquired over the years, and actually a lot since we've started this podcast, I've had people discuss it a little bit more openly. And maybe it's because I'm willing to be a little bit more open about it because of this. There are a lot of people in our music world that, Mm -hmm. again, they struggle with the same things all of us do, even if it's not discussed. And I was just having a conversation with somebody actually the other day as we were waiting for our audition results. <laughs> we just dove mm-hmm. into this. It was, it was a very timely discussion, actually. And this person was just saying that this job that we have, of, whether you're freelancing or even if you have some contracts, um, it like brings things out in you that are maybe not the healthiest or, or maybe make some of your habits that you know you have solidifies is not the right word, but it encourages unhealthy thought process, thought processes and how it's so frustrating. Cause if you try to go to um, like a therapist about it, no one understands what we do. And you spend so much time explaining how this whole thing works and then they still don't usually get it, but it can take months to get hmm. to a point where they kind of understand it. And so I've thought a lot about, since I find that stuff interesting anyway, about like going back to school and becoming like some kind of a licensed therapist, licensed counselor and catering specifically to people in the music. I mean, performing arts, but probably more so like musicians. Uh, although I feel like I could understand some mm-hmm. of the other performing arts too, if I was, if it were explained to me, because that's such a, it's a huge thing. I know a lot of people who don't go to therapy because of that, because mm-hmm. they just don't want to explain it to somebody because it's so confusing. Mm-hmm. So I know that's something I've always, I've thought about because you were saying about like hobbies or, or like yeah, no, dreams. It's, uh, it's I don't nice know if I would call like that other, a dream yet, but yeah, or just interest or it's a curiosity. And I love that. That's what I, I don't know. I, I started I think it was Mike Rowe, the dirty jobs guy has a, has a Ted talk or something about his, one of his big like thesis is, is pursue your curiosities. Like, and part, and I partially like that because I think there's also a lot of baggage in that word, like, Oh, your passion. And, and it's like, nah, nah, I don't know what that means really, but I'm curious about psychology or I'm curious about, uh, you know, other stuff. So we'll get, I think we'll, we'll keep, I want to keep hearing from uh, from Christian, and I'll talk a little bit more about other other things that we do. But then I'm curious uh, after that to talk about how that's gone, or maybe some regrets, or some is the grass always greener on the other side sort of uh, thoughts about that. But I'm curious, Christian, uh, hear about you. I know uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying you do a lot of uh, writing and also translating work. Right. 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 A lot of a lot of English stuff, German into English, and and that sort of thing. I mean, I started out being here, and when I wasn't so solid in the gig scene yet, I did a lot of private English teaching or English tutoring and that sort of thing. Started out small, you know, the random tutoring or the random English lesson, you know, for the business person, and then I started working for a language school and went to s- some local businesses and taught, you know a course for their secretaries and then a course for middle management and this sort of thing. And basically built my way up and now work independently. I work um, for two different universities. I, I hold two courses, two seminars, and then I have a couple private English students. And that's really interesting because one of them is chief of pediatric surgery at the local hospital. And he's also on the board for like the European panel of liver disease in children uh-huh. he's such a brilliant mind and we meet each week for about an hour hour and a half and talk and of course you know i'm teaching mm-hmm. him english and i'm working with him but i'm learning so much through it it's super interesting and then this other guy i have we meet for breakfast every tuesday morning he is the ceo and president of austria's largest mm-hmm. it company and he's been in it for 20 something years. And Whoa. so that's, I mean, just the things that he shares and it's, it's really interesting for me, you know, to be like, Oh, I was at Red Bull last week. And, you know, cause we did this and this and this for them. And I met the president who did this and explained that. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I just, I get, I feel a little bit privileged in a way to like learn things or just, yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm picking up advice or what is it you do with him? Do you, you do English language? Yeah, I just, I, I pick out some interesting articles to read. He reads them. I correct his pronunciation. I explain words he doesn't understand. I teach him some kind of slang phrases and we just talk. Nice. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, he's a super foodie, like a, a foodie guy and loves movies. So we talk a lot about like what we've seen on Netflix recently or like should, great restaurants to check you out. You should tell him about Anna's blog. I will tell him about Anna's blog. I'll be like, uh, myself, I was <laughs> muted. Do not do that. <laughs> Nobody. But, Nobody look at it. And um, it's in the show notes page, preservers.co slash thirty seven. I don't do too much. I don't do too much um like tutoring anymore, but I'm working with these two kids now. One is eighteen and the other is twelve. And um and it's funny kind of why I chose them or why I've agreed to like keep working with them. There's a really cool video on YouTube. And I think it's, I don't know if it's about the violin teacher, Robert Lipsit, but it's maybe it's about his studio or it's just a short little video of him at Colburn. And toward the end, he says something interesting. He's like, you know, you're working with a very formidable person. It's so interesting to reach inside their brain and shape it and, and help them become something. And I feel like that, especially with these two kids, like I'm inspiring them, you know, to learn English as a foreign language. I'm correcting their pronunciation. I'm seeing a lot of, of progress and excitement. And, and that's exciting for me. You know, I don't get to coach anyone on viola or chamber music, but you know, I can, I can give them this confidence and yeah, curiosity for English. And, and that's a good feeling. I, I like that. I'm curious about like the first time you started getting paid for translating. Was it like, did mm-hmm. was just like somebody probably just asked you like, could you help me with this or whatever? It, it wasn't. And were you God. thinking like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, or it wasn't like, I'm going to set up my business and I have my website all set up to start uh, being a translation, you know, firm or kind of, well, it kind of happened like this. I was, Mm -hmm. I remember I was coming back or I was heading to a wedding and a friend wrote me and she was like, I'm working for this company. We're doing translations and we need someone creative because they want all of these rhymes and poems and songs translated. And I thought of you and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I agreed to do it and I figured out how much I was going to get paid. And I was like, I will be doing this for sure. No problem. No, <laughs> so yeah. um, I definitely, uh, you know, the reason I haven't set up my own website um, mm-hmm. for this sort of thing is because I don't want to pigeonhole myself. I don't want to do only this. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to also be a public Jack of all trades, master of none. I feel like this website where it's like, hire me as a violist, hire me as a chamber musician, hire me as a translator, hire me as a writer, hire me as, you know, I can also cut hair. You know, like this is like not the website you want to visit or this is not like the business card you want to put out there. So like a lot of people know me as a musician and only as that. And then for a lot of people, I'm just a writer or I'm just an English teacher. You know, like I, I, sometimes feel like I um yeah it's not like like I have a split personality or anything like that but I I don't kind of publicly broadcast that I do a lot of different things no no, I think that's normal I think a lot of people don't want to be perceived as the like uh, master of none I also have a question maybe before we transition but go ahead Christian it's not about you personally it's about something for everybody um what's interesting is that I should this on the podcast before is that I decided to quit the orchestra that I was playing in here in Graz because I was really unhappy and I just knew it's what I should do. So update on that. It's gone really well. People have not forgotten me. I've been asked to do quite a few gigs, a lot of, a lot more chamber music, which is quite exciting. And then like after not having played in that orchestra for quite a few months, most of the people from it were doing this other gig and they asked me to come in and play and I went and like the first rehearsal, I was like, it was like jumping into cold water. It was like, oh, this is what it's like. Oh, made the right decision. Like things are cool. But here comes the regret. The viola is under my chin way less than it was before. Even when I was doing the gigs, I didn't like. So there is this sort of, you know, comfort level on the instrument or this sort of just familiarity which you lose if you're not playing. It's straight up, you know, like, um, you know, stage time, like time spent on stage is where you get the experience. Like time with the viola under your chin is where you get to know the viola. 
Even if it's playing gigs you don't want to play. <laughs> right, exactly. And so I kind of noticed that. Even though all the gigs I've done, I've really enjoyed, I I just know my viola less. So do you do you miss it? Like, do you find that you will go day to day without playing or practicing or something, and then maybe you don't notice because you're really busy those days mm-hmm. or something, but in the middle of one day, you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't played or practiced in like three days and do you miss it or do you are you feeling good about it right now or are you know maybe it's too soon and no i do miss it i think though i have a much healthier relationship to the to the instrument that i really i really do pick it up to practice for me and really enjoy it but i also would have nothing against a few more high quality gigs. Like if I say, if my gigs went up 15% or so, I would actually like that because it would just be more time playing. Is that tricky because was the crappy gig going to lead to the better gig? And like, did you kind of burn that bridge or was like, you can still find good gigs to play without having, you know, the, the life sucking Um, gig that, you didn't want to play, right? Because I feel like that's a lot of the fear is like, oh, if I don't go to every gig, then I won't get called to the better gig. No, I definitely don't have, no, I don't have that fear at all. But where I'm living is very limited. And I guess I'm not so starving enough. I don't need to go three hours in that direction to play something. I can translate 20 minutes away or I can go do, you know, I don't know. There's sounds like there's a lot of gratifying work and like variety of work that also that you also enjoy doing right and maybe so that's the reason maybe that's why i'm still surviving with only doing 30 30 or 45 percent of my work being music um you mentioned earlier in like in the beginning of this episode how was it in in your senior year of college michael that you were like that's when people kind of started talking about diversifying mm-hmm. your okay my question is i feel like you either hear one of two things yeah. either diversify because you have to be able to do different types of things to make enough money as a musician or don't have a backup plan because if you have a backup Mm -hmm. plan you're not giving a hundred percent to this one thing you hear one of those two things and nothing in the middle and you have to make this decision yeah Yeah. kind of at a young age of what you're gonna do so i'm just wondering about that did you do you guys feel the same way where it's that the message to you guys in undergrad and grad school and even maybe before grads or before you went to college if so like what do you think you've chosen and what are your feelings on that are you happy do you have some regrets not necessarily like life regrets where you're like still pining away over it but just right you know i don't know i'm just curious because i do feel like we are given such mixed messages when you're in music school so i'm curious as well well i can start us off if we need to (laughs) okay so when i went to when i was applying for undergrad i actually applied as a double major and i had one teacher Mm -hmm. tell me that he would not he (laughs) basically started laughing in my face said that he does not allow people in his studio who are double majors. Wait, you were a double major? On paper, I was uh, for two years. What, what was the other major you said? What? Oh, it's... What? No, voice was like a secret major that I couldn't tell my violin teacher about because he wouldn't allow it. So I did that, but it wasn't on paper. Um, my other major that I actually never took a class in because... I couldn't figure out a how to fit it into my schedule was economics. Wow. What? <laughs> I've known you for how long? Never I've never this. known this. Yeah. I was on, I, so I had like two advisors about like, <laughs> you know, like my, I don't know. It's so funny. Cause I was never took a class. Cause I, what? Yeah. And then I transferred no and then I transferred. And so then just it, amazing. I just like dropped it when I transferred. Wow. So you're speaking from very personal experience. Well, because, but here's the thing is I kind of got to school and I, like I was in a a liberal arts college. And so I had to do all the academic requirements on top of the conservatory requirements. And I was already Mm -hmm. so busy. um, And there was no way I'd be able to do the double major in four years. But you had the struggle though, early on in your life, you had the struggle about choosing. (gasps) Well, I never really wanted to have, Part of me, 
the practical side was like, I want to have the backup plan. But then the other practical side of me was like, yeah, but there's actually not enough time to do both. So anyway, I all, I went with the, um, all in philosophy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just find it curious. Cause like, again, even when I got to college, the, my violin teacher was kind of like, yeah, you're not going to do that major because I have other plans for you. <laughs> So, no, he never said that. That sounded very creepy. But it was kind of like like he mm-hmm. had expectations for yeah. what you needed to do every week and he didn't care what else you were doing. That had to be done. Like his thing had to be done. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really have a plan after that in terms of, okay, if you finish this major, then what are you going to do? It wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm curious. Well, did any of you go into music life with backup plans? I personally did not. No, I only had like a backup degree. I don't think I did. I, th- I think I had doubts though. And that's probably maybe some of it too is like, I think I was always like, okay, I'm going to do this like all the way, but I'm never quite sure if this is really gonna, if I'm really going to win the big audition. But, uh, and maybe that held me back a little bit too. But I think sure. who doesn't, who doesn't have doubts right. about like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. I guess my thing is, did you ever have doubts that this is what you wanted to do? Because for me, I've never had a doubt, especially at that time of life, things have mm-hmm. changed, but like, especially at that time of like, I've, I never had a doubt that this is what I wanted to do. And I feel like that's where most people struggle is at that early stage. Cause they don't know for sure. So did you have that kind of doubt, which I feel is different than I don't know if I'm going to win that big audition. Well, actually, yes, I should. I, I started off, I, I wanted to double major in engineering and music actually. And, and so I sort of, I think getting in, I sort of wasn't quite sure then, but then after a year I was pretty sure also I was like, okay, just music all the way. Oh, right. And, right. and it's, it's sort of funny. I haven't ever kind of dabbled back in engineering type of stuff since getting out. I've done more technology related things uh since since graduating i also was at a university and had to take like electives and so i took the the music recording class and i took like the music and technology kind of classes and that's why i started really enjoying those things and i also had you know, some other friends that were really liked composing and really liked arranging and stuff. And I've never really, I've, I'm, I'm like terrible at finale and Sibelius and those kind of, that kind of technology. But at least for me, it was trying to reconcile those two principles of like, you have to go 150% in practicing. Cause it's like, yeah, I think there is something to that, that if you have the safety net of like, Oh, I'll just get a job. You know, if, if I don't get a you know, big orchestra position, then then it's not like this must win, like, and you push yourself so hard. I don't know. On the, on the flip side of that, I think when you go into every audition with this like do or die mentality, I think that can really also wreck you because you put so much pressure on yourself that you can't more pressure than the situation warrants maybe. And I'm not saying that they're not pressure filled, so that stuff is already there. And then when you put that on yourself more and more, yeah. I don't know, I think, so it's I just like think I it's really this. difficult either way. Mm-hmm. Well, right. I mean, like Christian, for example, is doing music, but also doing other things successfully, whether or not he started out thinking he would be that way. And like, I personally have never considered another career option. Like I feel like I was about 16. I was like, I'm going to do music. I've never even thought about making money any other way full time. But I also know people who are like, like you said, engineers, or I have a friend that works at like, you know, what do we call that in the tech industry? Making apps, app design full time, but he like, whatever that is. And he like, we know several people like that who have these full time jobs who are very successful, but keep chamber music and practicing very much on the side, full time on the side. And they really enjoy performing. And I, and like you're saying, you know, with the full time job, you know, maybe Obviously, playing in Hamilton is not a symphony job that I won, but it is a full-time job. And I'm able now, because of the consistent schedule, to focus on other things that I would I never have time for as a freelancer. And I feel like super hashtag blessed <laughs> because of that. And I'm like, kind of don't know what to do with myself because I'm like, what? <laughs> a consistent schedule for the first time in my whole life. I don't like, ah, so much pressure to like be productive and but like when you have time like you're saying if you, you get that more symphony pressure job, to be productive now i mean in a way like i finally have time to like i've been going to this exercise class of like today i went for like the 11th time in like 14 days like i've never in my life ever been that way you know so i it's like i do think there's this value like you're saying you work hard 
to get a job that you want and you have that job security, which is like, this is going to be probably short lived for me. It's a temporary thing, but like for a year of my life, I'm going to have a schedule like maybe a normal person does. And so I, I do think like you're saying, once you win that big job, you like have to go like full force ahead, hopefully get the job of your dreams. Like you said, and it doesn't guarantee happiness, but it should for you up to be the person you want to be completely which is like ideal the consistency and the security of that job frees you up to explore your other hobbies or other interests and that is something that like right now i don't have time to do like there are things i'd like to do that i can't because when i do have free time i do need to be practicing because i am doing auditions or whatever so yeah. and so i miss right. some of these other things but then at the same time like that's my choice right now is to not look at those other things to see what happens with this for now. So, but there is something that would be extremely glamorous about to to me about winning an orchestra job, knowing my schedule. And, you know, sometimes like you might be done with stuff by like three 30, four o'clock in the afternoon. And then I could like do something else. That would be very exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a mystery. Yeah. Well, something, what I, I'm curious about also is I think we put a lot of hopes and dreams in this, like this idea that well, winning the full-time position is going to bring me complete, never wavering happiness and I will be ultimately gratified and fulfilled. And, um, the more musicians and full-time orchestras I've met, I've learned that's not really true. A lot of them, really have passions for flipping houses or like writing travel books or, or all sorts of stuff that even when they're in a full-time orchestra, it's not the end all be all. And so it's, it's very normal, I think to have all these other pursuits and other things, but maybe they develop them after they got their job. And so it's like, maybe you need just this singular focus to really get, the position that you're hoping for. And it doesn't have to be an orchestra position. It could be some sort of level of notoriety or completing a big project that you're working on or something, you know, just to play devil's advocate though. I think, you know, for some people it might free them up to explore those other things, but for some people it would also hem them in and they would not be happy going to the same place all the time and playing. Now in Europe, there are way more opera houses. And so like when I think about it, okay, these like 13 pieces that will play, you know, the entire season, day in and day out. And then maybe these other, you know, eight symphony concerts. Like when I think about that, I'm like, uh, no. Oh, yeah. You. Let's be clear. I'm playing the same musical every night. I have hashtags in this one mark. We've played it 23 times. So, like, I I get that. Like, um, hash marks is, I think, what I meant, not hashtags. I, like, have, like, you know, the prisons, the prison, like, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. I have that going on. This one empty page of my music. Yeah. And, and so this thought came to me when, when you were speaking, Jess, that, you know, maybe because I remember my sophomore year of college, I was a cheerleader. Uh, I had never thought about doing that, but like some random things happened. I was a cheerleader. Doesn't have like, don't they have like special names for guys that you're like stuntmen or something? They have like, um, I, I thought usually for like guy cheerleaders, they no, have, but uh, since we were the Vanderbilt Commodores and I tumbled, I was a tumbledore. Tumbledore. Okay. Uh, so you know, yeah. Tumbledore. Ah, oh my so gosh. That's, that's what I was that's looking funny. for. I was looking for that. Tumbledore. It's like Dumbledore. Tumbledore. But Dumbledore. <laughs> uh, that's Dumbledore. why they took me anyway. But so what I was going to say is that, you know, I got a little bit of flack for that or whatever, but I think it's because maybe honestly only 60 or 70% of me wants to be a musician. So I invested 60 or 70% and I think that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm happy now mm-hmm. being a 40 to 60% musician and doing these other things. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something really special to think about. It's like, ask, you know, find out, how much of you wants to do this and then find a way for that much of you to do it mm-hmm. and really enjoy it. Like just because you really like music does not mean you have to do it all the time. And if you really want to be doing it 80% and you're only doing it 40 and you feel incomplete or, or, you know, dissatisfied, try to up it, try to find a little bit more percentages of music so you can live out that, yeah, that need or that craving that, passion and desire. I, or I have this feeling I'm getting closer and closer to this magical percentage, you know, but mixed between free time and translating and writing. And that's also something I'm thinking about now. Um, 
the publisher, we've been talking about a third book and they want to see the first chapter before we decide or I sign the contract. And the whole time I'm thinking, if I say yes to writing another book, that is nine months to a year of my life, which I will really need to dedicate to this, which means saying no to other projects and, you know, really committing. And it's like, okay, that's going to throw my current percentage uh, out of balance and I'll have to readjust. And I'm just asking myself every day, like, do I want this? I'm not sure yet. So I just don't write. (laughs) And then the next day it's like, should I write? Uh, I'm not sure if I want this yet. And until I know that answer, I basically can't put words on the screen. For me, that's a lot like yeah. Um, when I send in a deposit to an audition, then it's like okay, no turning back. Like, and then it's like I go. And it's like I I know I have to practice because I know I already sent my mm-hmm. deposit and I'm I'm going. But it's like trying to practice and just like dabble before that. It's like I don't know if I'm yeah. Ready without the goal, it makes it hard this. to commit. But I think like I mean, Christian is a perfect example of someone who knows what they want percentage wise, or at least is trying to find that, that perfect balance, but knows that they would not be fulfilled with a hundred percent music. And that's totally okay. I think if we spend our whole lives practicing and trying to get ourselves to a place where we are happy with whatever amount of music we're playing, even if we don't have that job yet, we're still taking auditions, which is extremely draining. I want to recognize that. I, you know, like, I, I think it does require just some deep soul searching to to look at your life and do the whole like five year planning thing and say in five years, what's my ideal situation. And five years ago, I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now. I had a totally different plan in mind, but I still think having that goal is like, if you don't have that, then you're not, you're really not going to gain what you want to gain at all. Even if in five years, your life looks completely different than what you imagined. That is amazing. Trying to think about like, what are are the actionable steps to becoming a touring musician on Hamilton? Like how to, how to, what's the, uh, what's, What's the job track for that? Well, right. Who I mean, thought? like five five years ago, right? Five years ago, I was like, maybe maybe conductless orchestra and playing some of these freelance gigs that I don't enjoy to make money, but I'd love to like be in a baroque group, and I'm not. You know, like that was a dream of mine, and I feel like one that died. You're playing hip hop every yeah, night. Yeah, I'm playing hip hop violin. It's fine. It's great. Um, Annalise, she's a hip hop violinist. Oh my gosh, I'm definitely not. But you know, it's like I have to find ways to keep myself musically interested. Interested, you know, and like um, Greg's playing violin on this tour and needs to like keep up his viola chops. I mean, these are things that are happening that you know we didn't plan for, and it's going to be okay. But it's a it's a it's a weird season for sure. It's very different. Greg Greg must look like a giant playing violin. He does. Yeah, <laughs> I would just. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He looks like a giant playing a tiny violin. It's hilarious. But like, you know, I mean, Jess is in the thick of it with auditions and like, I hope it's okay to say this, but like wondering if she wants to go on because she's just like kind of sick of it. Yeah. And what I'm trying to determine and I don't honestly exactly know how how to go about this. So Christian, if you have any ideas since you're into the percentage thing, which actually makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I've never thought of it in that way before. But what I'm trying to figure Mm -hmm. out right now is, am I feeling the way I'm feeling because of the current season of life? Or is it indicative of something different, something different, deeper, and that it's time for a change? And I honestly do not know the answer. I have a guess. I don't know. And so I don't exactly know how to go about figuring that out. And so my plan for now is to get through this, get through this. I'm hoping we'll re- with a result that is good, you know, cause the auditions tend, the audition season tends to be over in early June or so. And so take this next couple that I have coming up, see what happens and then maybe give my mind a mental break for a little while. Cause I got to tell you, man, it's like, I feel like I'm doing it every single day, even though you obviously don't have the audition every day trying to figure out and plan my day so that I can make sure I get what I need to get done on the violin before I have to go and do the things that I have to do so I can pay my rent like that. So you feel like you're doing it every day. I mean, cause you kind of are, but like, do you know what I mean? It's like, it feels more mentally exhausting now than it did uh, when I was younger. Cause now I'm so old. Um, yeah. But- I, do you think, is that something for you? You could decide ahead of time be like, Oh, I think I really want, hundred percent music or, or I really want, you know, 80% music and 20% teaching or sometimes I'm, I'm not smart enough to figure that out or like to think, 
think ahead far enough i'm just like oh i gotta try it and see if i like it and i don't like this i don't like this Uh, run away run away like that's kind of my approach but i know for sure i don't want my percentage to be higher with the teaching than it is so like for example i've capped myself at how a certain number of hours per week of teaching partly so that i can still take auditions because like you do have to prepare for them so like i've already capped myself at a certain number of hours for right now Mm -hmm. but i think that's also very healthy because there was a time when i i kind of recognized emotionally even though i wasn't maybe so aware of the whole percentage thing of looking at it that way but i emotionally i kind of felt myself reacting like this is not something i want to do more of but i was like I want money. I want all the monies. And so I did a lot more of that work. Give me the monies. Give me some money. And like, let me tell you, it was not emotionally fulfilling. What happened? I got sick about it and I was like, actually, I can't do this work. I really, I can't. Right. What work was it you were doing that was not It was a very, it was a very large uh, translation, incredibly well paid, but like it was uninspiring work. And Mm -hmm call me entitled but like i really like doing work that's inspiring such a millennial <laughs> i know totally um and yeah and i realized okay there's a, i can do some things like this when when it's about the pay and it's and it's something i i somewhat like but i overstepped my limits because i was attracted to the dollar sign and and I think so. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Like, I really respect that. And I totally not only applaud you, but I think don't let go of that. The fact that you've already done it once, you've capped yourself. And because you recognize, okay, I, I like it. This is fine. And I can do this much. But if I do more, I'm going to be hurting myself in another area. And that's just not healthy. Well, it's also, I'm a better teacher if I limit myself. Yeah. And I, it's Th- that's funny. Because- Some people find teaching extremely draining. Like, they find it like like energy wise like it's exhausting and i honestly i don't it's not that way for me like it's fine i don't like finish my day feeling like super tired from it oh that's good right but also because because you're probably doing the right percentage of it yeah you don't have like 60 students right (laughs) you're you're, oh gosh (laughs) exactly you know like imagine if you if you're naturally built for 20 percent teaching and you're teaching 40 percent, you're gonna be you know horrible or if you're built for 20 and only doing 10 you're also not in your balance but you've probably hit the sweet spot well and i i find that i can even tell like my students that i have towards the end of the week there are times that i'm like yeah okay that's fine because <laughs> like i'm too tired to okay get out of here to like uh-huh. keep bragging on them at something but so like i teach better when i have less teaching if that makes sense um and like if i'm and also if i'm getting fulfilled mm-hmm in other ways from other gigs. Mm-hmm. So like, so, so I don't know for me, like that's what I have found. And like also financially, I have to do this right now. So I don't have a choice. So, but I do have a choice with how much I do in terms of, do I want to do the bare minimum, you know, my cap so that I can pay my bills or do I want to do more than my cap? And then I can have some extra money. You know what I mean? Right. But I could do more and then have ex- some extra money but then hate everything because that's what it would do to me is it just makes me like mentally like I don't know so anyway I can now enjoy it more if I do at my cap and then it's just like okay I know I can pay rent yeah great right you have to know like, yourself. I mean and that's it yeah. that's all I have from it but okay it covers rent Well, you have to do what's healthy for you though and I don't think there's any shame in it like I, and like even if you have too much of a good thing I mean, so say, you know, even if teaching is your passion, if you have 60 kids a week, you're going to be drained because that's just a lot of energy. Or or like when I was mm-hmm. working for that conductorless group, I really enjoyed the work, but it was too much. It was too draining. So like you can, you know, yeah. it's too much of a, you have to know your balance in everything. And I okay. guess that's what being an adult is, is like understanding what your your balance is, what your percentage is. Boring, hate it. Boring. Yeah, but I think it, I mean that's that's sort of the enticing thing is because it's like you can play gigs and teach like right after the rehearsal gets out and stuff. Like there's there's ways to like squeeze in these extra income streams, right. like around like okay maybe if you if like your top goal is 
you know, performing. And, and that's for me. It's like, I will cancel everything else if I get a gig. That's like, because that's what I want to do. I want to play the gigs. Um, for sure. And then I'll, you know, squeeze in other stuff around it. And I think there are things, there are these other interests like that, that kind of go hand in hand, like being a, a, uh, being a teacher makes you a better performer and being a better performer makes you a better teacher too. Like there are these other interests. And I think um, that I think when I started hearing it at the end of my senior year was you're going to need these other skills to make it like you need these other skills to write emails to contractors. Like you have to be able to write properly or whatever. You have to be able to, you have to be able to record yourself for an audition tape that you have to mail in. Like you have to know some of these basic things. And for me, that's sort of gone a little bit farther that I've, I make some money a couple days a week working for uh, the Fiddler shop. Ah, uh, Shout out to the Fiddler shop.com. But because it's like, it's video. What kind of stuff do you do for them? I make videos about a lot of the products and a lot of it is demonstrating instruments and being like, this is what this violin sounds like. And this, this is how it compares to this one. Here's a $500 violin compared to a $600 violin. Like, can you tell the difference? And so it's a lot of, and I have to do the filming and the editing and post it all, all myself and so it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of skills that um i have to you know use and it's and it's fulfilling to me to be okay like now i'm a violinist now i'm editing and there are like little creative ways that i find fulfilling in each of those steps that's one aspect where i i find i'm having a lot of fun right now doing like the podcast and doing my website and doing uh these videos and then at night driving down to miami i'm playing salome like this is like i'm doing i'm doing a lot of things that i enjoy doing and i'm very fortunate and i've got you know a lot of support obviously from my wife uh that i'm allowed to do all these things but there's always like that little voice that's always in the back of my head saying like did you really want just a full-time orchestra job no, it's like, are you telling yourself that you're, this is, this is what you want to do? I don't know. It's, I, I don't always have a good answer for, for that, but I have no room to complain about what I'm doing. I think the only thing, uh, question I do have sometimes is like, is this, is it sustainable? Like, are all these little things going to be perfectly, all these percentages be perfectly, uh, lined up right now or like in the long term? And Probably not. There are probably some things that will get displaced at some point. Well, but that's the thing with percentages, right? Is they have to add up to 100%. So if something drops, like, no, you have to fill it with something else. And I do think that's the the struggle of the freelancer. Mm. Oh, great. Right now, this revenue stream is like 90% of my life. And then the next year, that revenue stream could be cut down to 20. Just out of nowhere. And then you have to find the, the 75 or the 70% to get back up to 90. Mm-hmm. Obviously there, are, you have to do what you have to do. And so mm-hmm. that's why I say there's seasons. And that's why I think that like, even a, an established freelancer, yeah. I think it is going to have cyclical times right. where, you know, even if you've been on Broadway forever, like a show is going to close at some point. And so you could have great. This is, I have the book or whatever, or maybe you're a sub at the show but you know, you've been getting like two, three shows a week or something. But if that show closes, then you have to find something for that. And so that's why I do think it's cyclical and that's where it can get very draining. I don't know. At least for me, that's where sometimes right now it's becoming stressful. Right. Yeah. No, it's very I, I was going to say, it's almost like if you don't have, if the end goal isn't attainable, then, and you start thinking about that, then you realize this may not be be the life for you right like to me i'm like well if one of us doesn't have a consistent income stream at some point in like the next 10 years i don't know like whoa so i feel like we spend our whole lives hoping we're like hopefully we'll get tenure in an orchestra and or we'll get this job that's job security eventually right and it's like you know michael already has a child so of course he's thinking about that child's future i have a child you have a child you have, a, you, have a have human, a you have a human child in your house. <laughs> you can um, probably hear him right now. He's crying. <laughs> it, this is all great fun and games into our mid-30s, but I have a feeling, you know, we're all going to like at some point. It's getting real. Yeah, it's getting real. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I still have that like unending hope for the future, but is that just like blind ignorance about the life I think I'm going to have when I'm 50? You know, like... I, I don't know. It could be. It could be. I don't know. So basically, that's so encouraging and such an uplifting thing to say. (laughs) 
You're welcome, everybody. Have a great day. Actually, this is interesting. I mean, I feel like we can take comfort in the fact that everybody's in this boat. Anyone really in the arts. Yesterday I had, I like to call it a backstage tour at the Museum of Natural History here at San Diego. And we were talking to this guy who's like their entomology professor. And he's like showing us like mammoth femurs and stuff from like forever ago. It was really cool. Um, And he was like just talking about how funding is difficult for science and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, you're looking at musicians. Mm-hmm. We get it. And he was like, he was like, yeah, the arts. And then you talk about performing artists. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I was like, I know. Funding is hard for science. Like, don't even talk to me. <laughs> and, I, and he was like, oh yeah, performing artists. Oh yeah. And I was like, uh, thanks buddy. <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, I think every field is feeling it. All right. So we should probably wrap it up. Cause we're getting a little late on time here, but do you have any closing thoughts? Any final? Watch. I, we need the uh, Jerry um, Jerry Springer closing <laughs> thoughts. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Disgusting. Yeah, what a yeah. Oh my gosh! I forgot to the, the moral of and the story with Jerry Springer. What? No wonder our society is so screwed up. I would just like to say, Christian, thanks for making the clear connection to me about the percentages thing because I think it's really important more so in my life now than it has been or just in a different way now than it has been. So thanks for that. I feel like I, I got a lot from that person. I enjoyed that also thinking, just like trying to think ahead and be like, what do I really, how much do I really want of this? And how much do I want of that? And yeah, well, I also think it's like not just for the future, but even for right now, I think that's a, for me, like when I feel overwhelmed about stuff, like I'm going to try that. Cause that feels way better to be like, okay, what percentage of my life am I doing whatever in, or what do I not? I don't know. This is a terrible sentence. No, if no, I I think it's like this is that I think that's um, actually the perfect way to go about it. You ask yourself two questions. What are my percentages right now? And you simply map it out. I'm doing 80% teaching and 20% performing. Okay. You got that down. Then you ask yourself, what is my ideal life? What do I want to be doing? I want to be doing 60% performing and 80% teaching. That is or, a really sorry, large percentage. 60, that, is not, that is not a realistic <laughs> life. I want to be doing 60% performing and 20% teaching and 20% having fun on a boat, sip margaritas. Oh, that sounds delicious. And then you look and you're like, oh, that is not the life I'm living. I need to restructure. And I think it's that's all it is. You see where you are, where you want to be, and then you adjust. And it's a way to take control in a field where we really do not have control. Like we exactly. may not have control of what gigs we get and all of that, and it can be so discouraging. So this is a way to maintain control and feel like you're not losing your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think I'm gonna. I need to do some thinking about that because it's helpful. It's just, you know, just the. Yeah, just the per service podcast, you know, solving life's problems yeah. one one nice. episode at a time. So good. <laughs> per service way. One podcast at a time. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, I am Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Weersma. And one hundred percent of me is Christian Marshall. Wow. Well, that is our show, folks. Big thanks to Christian for bringing the heat with figuring out this great questions to be asking yourself. What are my percentages right now? What does my ideal life look like? And how much percentage do I really need to be floating on a boat sipping margaritas? Doesn't sound too bad right now. Well, you can visit our show notes page, which is perservice.co slash 37 And you'll find some nice little resources, including maybe a food blog that was run by our very own Anna Luce. And, you know, it's just one of my favorite things to have these conversations because there's just a lot of messed up assumptions and mixed messages that we all got growing up as classical musicians. And there's still a whole lot of mess of unspoken rules and decorum that we're just supposed to know about as working professionals. And this podcast is a place where we can check in with one another in a safe and judge-free space. So we sincerely hope that these conversations resonate with you and that you know that you're not the only one thinking some of these things. If you have been enjoying our podcast, what would be very helpful to us is if you would leave us a rating or a review in iTunes. 
And you can be honest if you're not crazy about it. That'd actually be more helpful for us to know so we can make it better. There are some amazing people behind the scenes who support our work on Patreon, and we'd like to thank Siri Bloom, Kathleen Lovengood, Sarah Lee, and Anne Brigaman for their generosity and just their general awesomeness. We wish you fine ladies many more percentages of your time being spent floating on boats, sipping margaritas. And if you're ever in South Florida, the drinks are on me. Uh, You just have to provide the boat. (laughs) But if you would like to support our show financially and help us with our operating costs, just search for our show on patreon.com. And of course, a link for that is in the show notes page, perservice.co slash 37. Until next time, be well and practice well. You know... I feel like, Anna, you should, like, as you're looking at the percentages in your life, I think that you should have at least 3% of your income in life around your mouth trumpet. Oh, yeah. I need. I to just get... think that your talent is that good oh, that you should you. start getting paid for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm.